Hi, everyone. Welcome to White Coats of the Roundtable. My name's Mike, and I'm here with John. We are a healthcare podcast focused on career development, non-clinical careers, and burnout prevention. John, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are we doing today? I'm good. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but it is uh, lots of snow outside. It is. I think we're approaching a foot of snow in my area. In some of Buffalo, we've had three feet of snow, so winter is here. Well, we all had to experience the delay of the Bills game. Yes, correct. Said snow, but what a what a nice uh, way to start start the week. I have to say, it was a beautiful game. I'm not a huge football guy, but it was great. It is a lot of fun, and I love. Obviously, I, I am a big sports fan, but even aside from that, I think there's something so cool about Buffalo and the way that the entire community just rallies around the football team. You know, everybody is a Bills fan at this time of year. In Pittsburgh, some of these other smaller, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, they have a similar feel, but it's just so cool when you go to these smaller market teams that have a long history because there's so much of that community togetherness, and I, I like that from a psychology perspective. It's so cool. Did you see the videos of um, people shoveling at the stadium, and they had like corrugated pipe they cut in half, and the guy got in the tube and was like sliding down? Yeah, I love it. I'm a I'm a winter guy. I'm excited because my kids have been harassing us to go skiing and they were sledding all day yesterday. So I I love when Buffalo's on national TV and we get to see maybe the fun side of it. So often we see the snowstorms and it looks like it's just we live on the ice planet of Hoth. So it's it's good when you can see a lot of people out there having fun, throwing snowballs. It's good. You you lost all the non-nerds with this with true. Hoth. Yeah. It was a nice reference. Yeah. Well, as so as everyone can see, this is an off-script episode, and for those that may be new to the show, we like to intermix some off-scripts that are completely unedited, and the idea behind these is we basically want to replicate what it's like when John and I just hang out and have coffee and, and riff off each other. So within these off-scripts, we like, we like to pick a topic and then just kind of discuss it for 20 to 30 minutes. So John, what do you want to talk about today in our off-script episode? I think we should discuss personal branding and why it matters in healthcare and in your professional life uh, at all, really. Yeah, I like it because I I think this is a great topic and it's a good place to start of why personal branding matters. And I really believe strongly that in today's modern era with the internet, you have to think about your personal branding, even if you don't want to, even if you want to be someone who just shows up to work, sees your patients and goes home. Personal branding is essential for someone who is A, just trying to be a better clinician or B, maybe trying to build something greater, whether that be looking for different jobs, side hustles or next promotion. Everything, unfortunately, lives on the Internet in a lot of decision making, whether that be patients deciding who to go see for a medical problem or potential employers deciding whether you're the right fit for some sort of consulting gig. A lot of it is going to be driven by how you present or what your presence is online before you engage with anybody in the real world how often do you go to facebook instagram linkedin just to check them out to see what they're all about every time yeah i think everyone does if you if you say no you're probably lying right anytime i'm meeting someone for the first time professionally first thing i'm doing is i'm creeping on their linkedin and i know everyone does it to me too because i get the notifications when people look at my profile and if i have a meeting scheduled the next day Without fail, the day before, people will be creeping on the profile and taking a look at it. And that's a good thing. It's not bad. Yeah. It Well, LinkedIn. You mentioned LinkedIn. 
most of us are going to be a little bit more professional on LinkedIn anyways, because that's, that's really the uh, arena that we're in. But when it comes to Instagram, probably even more than Facebook, Instagram's a little bit more free writing. People kind of do what they want. So I think maybe the danger comes more when we're talking about our personal social media and how much that could really affect our professional life still. That's yeah, so that's a great point. Let's let's spend some time there just talking about your personal social media presence versus your professional, how to separate those. Is it worth or good to intermix? Um and I think maybe a good place to start with that is just the different platforms. So you're right. LinkedIn is fairly simple. LinkedIn is for business. Um it's starting to get maybe a little bit murky. I see more and more people that will post selfies of their vacation, but usually those vacation selfies are also tied in with some sort of commentary about the importance of work-life balance. They're usually trying to tie it back into work. So LinkedIn is almost always going to be exclusively professional. I like LinkedIn for this reason because I think it's harder when you get on these social media platforms where it's a little bit more murky, where there's a lot of personal mixed in with professional, where LinkedIn, in my mind, I'm a black and white concrete guy, very straightforward, very easy to to know what is appropriate or what you maybe don't want to put on the platform. Instagram, and you're more of an Instagram guy, I, have, I still can't figure out the platform, so I would defer to you, but Instagram, I think, is more visually driven medium and is definitely more personal. And I think you can do professional stuff on Instagram, but it, in my mind, it's a little bit harder because it's such a visual medium. If you are doing things professionally, like white coats, for example, we don't have a ton of visual medium outside of you know podcast clips, things like that. So Instagram's maybe a little bit tougher because people are expecting to have a more deep, intimate connection with the user when they're on Instagram. Facebook, the way that I see Facebook is Facebook is kind of the the old dinosaur that is still out there, still chugging along and still has an immense number of users. But Facebook is a great place for community where a lot of times when I go to Facebook, at least it's for my PA professionals or it's for psych nurse practitioners and all these professional groups that I'm in where you can ask questions and bounce ideas off each other. But I'm not necessarily going to Facebook anymore to keep up with people of what they're doing or things like that. I feel like that's moved on to different platforms. And the last one I'd throw in there is Twitter or X, where I don't know. I mean, that one, it, it's hard because I think it's an incredibly powerful platform where you can write and you can put your thoughts out there and there's no gatekeeping. You know, your thoughts are just out, uh, you know, going to show up on a timeline just like someone else who has two million followers. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know if that's a great thing, because from a professional standpoint, you can put a lot of really great stuff out on X. But at the same time, X is also at times a bit of a cesspool because it's very much emphasized by free speech, which means that you could also be chatting with neo-Nazis and things like that. So I, I get nervous with X from a professional standpoint. But those are the big ones. We'll keep TikTok out of it because that's kind of emerging and we could probably do a whole show on how TikTok's transcendence over the past year. But I want to kick it to you and just talk about personal versus professional. Do you think that if you have a social media presence, is it important to have a clear delineation between your professional social media presence or just online presence and your personal? And if you think there's an ability to kind of intermix them, what does that look like? Because I think the intermixing is where people can sometimes, you know, have some challenges. Let's talk about the goal first. 
if if your goal in professionalism or in your professional endeavor is to move forward, go to better and greater things, that we I think we need to be more aware of of our professional and personal intermixing. Specifically more of our our personal. So people who want to progress, you're probably going to be going to more interviews, probably going to be meeting more folks, going to conventions, um, seminars, whatever it, it be, you're going to meet folks and they're going to be looking you up. They're going to see your professional and personal pages. So your personal, I think, becomes a little bit more of a liability. Uh, but it, if we take it one step back and say, you know, if if you like what you're doing, you're not looking to progress your professional life. Things are going well with your employer. You're not doing anything crazy online. It really doesn't really matter too mm-hmm. much. Um, but when it comes down to brass tacks, it's really professionalism, keeping out of politics, religion, um, and and anything that that might raise an eyebrow. Yeah, so I've got a good example of that. So I have a colleague, and I'm going to try and do this without uh, making it too specific. And we're part, and I respect the hell out of this colleague. And we're part of different Facebook groups that are professional. And the commentary given by this colleague in these groups is always very, very good, very high quality. But then I'm also Facebook friends with this colleague you know, their personal Facebook, which if you're in a group and you click on the profile and you're not friends with them, you can't always see all of their personal activity. So I actually like that about Facebook where there is even within that some separation. But because I'm friends with this colleague, I can see their personal page and all that. And they are like wildly political. And I'm not even going to say right versus left or anything. We're going to try and keep this generic, but just very, very politically engaged. Um, and very into political bomb throwing or political hyperbole, you know, just lots of memes, lots of stuff that's very irreverent. And it's it's shocking because they they have a very put together professional profile and they present themselves in a, in a very um, different way professionally. And then when you go to the personal page, it's like, whoa. This person, um, you know, is very, very passionate about politics. So it's hard because certainly people are entitled to their political views. But as you said, politics, you know, that third rail, you don't ever talk about religion or politics. If you have this intermixing, people are going to probably see both. And that can be problematic, not because your views are problematic necessarily, but because you are maybe alienating or off-putting people that may not have that same view. I, I love Michael Jordan's quote about politics. You know, when they when they asked him why he doesn't speak up or say anything about politics, and he said, Republicans buy sneakers too. And I love that because I think it's such a, and we've lost that in the modern era where everyone is expected to use their platform to speak up. And frankly, you know, if you're a sports star, you you are entitled to have a political opinion, but you're not required to have a political opinion. And if someone doesn't want to be political, I think that's completely fine and appropriate. Um, you know, Taylor Swift is a great example where Taylor Swift for the longest time did not talk politics and then came out in support of, you know, Democrats and is now quasi-political. She, I think, does a very good job of actually keeping 
political statements to a minimum, because I think if you do it too much, it loses the impact. But she's done a really good job, I think, of, uh, you know, making key endorsements in, in politics, driving out vote and not doing it in a way that is too alienating for most. But at the same time, there is a segment of like extreme right wingism that now hates her. And she's turned them off in terms of being fans of her music because they see her as a sellout because she's a political shill. I don't think she is. I think she actually is quite tasteful in how she, you know, expresses her political opinions. But she has turned off a segment of a potential customer base or audience because of that. So I think it's the same thing for us in healthcare with our personal versus professional profiles is we do need to make sure that we are very, very mindful of what's out there. If you have a personal presence on social media, just have that be separate. In my opinion, have your personal and your professional be completely separate entities. And I think LinkedIn allows that, where if your personal Facebook, your personal Instagram are one thing, and you can have those where only friends can see it, they're not easily discoverable publicly, and then you can have your professional profile on LinkedIn or even have a professional profile on a different platform. And I think it makes it a little bit easier to curate the two. Okay, so... to wrap that idea up it's a liability to be very present personally when you have a lot of professional endeavors and it might be be a good idea or behoove you to make everything private i i think that's the easiest approach i think anything beyond that is just really really hard to balance and ends up having more opportunity for landmines yeah so moving out of social media into your general personal branding, what this does for you, let's talk a little bit about what personal branding looks like uh, person to person, whether you're meeting at conferences with folks, uh, your colleagues, uh, potentially in your interviews. What does that look like? Yeah, so I, I think the way that I would think about it is, once again, you mentioned it earlier, having a plan is just so essential to anything that we talk about with career development. Because I I think uh, Denzel Washington has a great quote, don't confuse movement with action or movement with results. And I think that's so true for career where so often we think, well, look at all the things I'm doing. But if we don't have a plan, if we don't necessarily know where we want to be in one year, three or five years from a career perspective, a lot of that action or a lot of that movement may not be pushing us in the right direction. And I think the same thing with branding, even if it's at a person-to-person level, is we want to be mindful of how we are perceived because perception is everything. And we want that perception to be in line with what our career aspirations are. So me personally, for an example, because I know there's a, a, on LinkedIn, there's always the debate, should your headshot or your profile picture be like a professional headshot or should it be like a selfie? Should it be more personal? And there's really good arguments in either direction. It's not that there's a right or wrong answer, but the the professional headshot folks would say, you know, you want to look, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. You know, if you want to be a CEO of a company, you, you know, being on the beach with a, a selfie is probably not the shot that gets you there. It doesn't present the way that you want to present dropping your face out of an old Facebook. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But the flip side, the counter argument to that is that, you know, business is becoming more personal. People want that personal connection. They want to feel like they're interacting with a human and that having your professional profile or your professional branding be 
more relatable, more intimate, more interconnected, where people feel like they know you can actually be an asset, it really ends up being which job you want. I do a lot of work with the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry is generally pretty stodgy and conservative. So if I had you know, my LinkedIn profile as a selfie of me on the beach, I don't know if that would necessarily help me you know, present myself more professionally or get more jobs as a consultant. But that doesn't mean that it's wrong to have a selfie on the beach. It just means that you need to be very mindful of what what jobs you're looking for, what career you're trying to lay out and make sure that your presentation, even at a person-to-person level or online, is in line with what you're trying to achieve in your career. So I'm going to talk about a little something more personal with my LinkedIn. So I had been very active and then there was a, a time where I stepped back and I haven't posted as much. I haven't been as active in a lot of the groups I was uh, a part of, and that in itself could lend to potential, um, I want to say issues or um, future problems, but the fact is I haven't been present in those arenas, so people aren't used to seeing my name, they're not used to um, looking to see what I have to say about maybe a current event or a new policy change or law change. And the lack of being present in those areas could lend to a lost opportunity, um, opportunity cost, or even just not meeting the goals that I'm trying to to meet. So a lack of being present on some of these platforms could lend to not building a personal brand as, as well as we could. Yeah, I agree. So let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk about finding your niche. And I I just thought of this as you were talking about commentary on policy and things like that. I'd love to talk about personal branding and, you know, finding that area that differentiates you. And once again, we we often on the show, we talk about these things within the context of non-clinical careers or, you know, pivots into a traditional careers. But so much of this is also applicable even to a healthcare professional that is primarily clinical and wants to remain clinical because every single patient that I see in my clinic, I guarantee you they're Googling me. I guarantee you they're looking for online reviews. They are looking me up and kind of scoping me out before they get here. So is it beneficial to kind of find a niche and then just make that your jam? You know, do you want to become the the pharma guy that is known for policy commentary, or is it better to just have a presence where maybe you are uh, more well-rounded, where you're commenting on lots of different things, where you are kind of uh, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we're talking more so of a branding perspective, because I think this could also be a really interesting discussion in terms of building your CV or even building your experience and skill set. But just from a branding perspective, let's limit it in terms of whether we want to be narrowly focused in our area that we brand ourselves versus more broad. Okay. If you are trying to brand yourself and you want to be the X guy in pharmacy or the X guy in medicine, whatever your area is, know what you're talking about before you become an expert. (laughs) No. People can see right through it. Yes. So, I would say that, yeah, if you have a personal brand or you've already identified that thing that you want to be, then yeah, probably a good idea to stick with 
that subject. However, it's okay not to be the guy of something yet or the woman of something yet. Uh, if you're not there yet, or maybe you don't even want to be there, just comment generally. Be present. Um, get your name out there, especially if you have a client base that you're trying to reach. Um, so say for you, Mike, you have uh, psych patients primarily. If you were on talking all the time about the the benefit of um, genetic therapy, it just it wouldn't really align with what you do. People look you up like, okay, this guy isn't psych, but he but he keeps talking about essential oils all the time. I don't know. Career development. What the heck? Right. <laughs> right. Um, it, it just wouldn't make sense. It doesn't align with what you want. But again, I, I really want to stress the point that you don't have to have a thing yet. Um, if you don't have that thing yet, just explore. It's like what we mm -hmm. talk to our, when we talk to our kids or um, those younger people that we work with when they're trying to decide what they do to, for school. And you say almost always now, because we're older, we say, don't decide yet until you really know. Um, maybe not even go to college yet. Maybe work a little bit first and see what you like and then go into it. So don't waste all of your time and money and effort. Same goes for personal branding. You might have to pivot a bunch. So I wouldn't say go on to ChatGPT, put a bunch of headshots in, make a bunch of marketing and merchandising for something that you don't even know if you like yet. It might be just interesting to you. So I I'm going to wrap up what you asked though, Mike. <laughs> you you asked me what was what was better to maybe be the guy of something, the, the woman of something, uh, or come in generally. And to answer that question, I would personally say, if you're not the expert in something yet, stick with the generalities and just maybe test the waters, see what you do like. I agree. I think both are valid. So I was maybe trying to trip you up and ask a trick question here. So you navigated it well. Defeat. I think <laughs> I think they're both valid. Um, the way that I see it is, you know, in healthcare, the field is always evolving. And if you're static, you're falling behind. So every healthcare professional should be hopefully reading journals, staying up to date on clinical developments, things like that. And I think a really, really easy way to just build out that professional branding of yourself is just if you are reading a really good article that is relevant to your field, if you are in endocrinology and some new technology came out for diabetes pumps, post the article on LinkedIn and just say, hey, I found this article to be really fascinating. Can't wait to see what the future holds with future technological development. And what that does is then if you have a recruiter or if you have, you know, someone who is maybe looking for uh, a new candidate for a job and they stumble across your LinkedIn, they're looking at your post activity and that gives them a sense for the things that you're interested in, the things that you're learning. So the way that I kind of see it is if you have something that would be interesting that you would want to share in like a professional journal club, or maybe it's something that you would share on the kitchen table. You know, you went to dinner with your family or friends and they're all in healthcare, and you said, hey, I read a really interesting article recently and this is what I learned from it. I think that's a really good way that you can kind of present yourself as a generalist is this is how I'm learning. This is what I'm doing to continue to become better at my craft. Let me share what I'm doing with you. And I think that's a really great approach to crafting and then maintaining that professional image. I think if you want to niche in, 
there's a lot of value to that. And you have to do it carefully. Because like you said, I think there's a lot of people online that present themselves as experts within a niche where they're not necessarily experts. So I think you do have to be careful where if you want to become the subject matter expert of this little narrow field of healthcare, make sure that you're doing things that promote and justify you actually being a subject matter expert, whether that be publications, research, or just really becoming, you know, diving, doing a really, really deep dive on that. I think there's a lot of value in that because when you become the subject matter expert, then a lot of times your personal branding will then become associated with that topic. And that's where even on my end, from a consultant perspective, I try to craft my personal brand on LinkedIn as one where I talk a lot about PA and NP utilization from a health economics, health outcome standpoint, because I'm very passionate about um, the role of advanced practice providers in their fit in healthcare. And then I also talk about psychiatry and pharmaco, um, you know, pharmacologic advances that are happening in the industry, things like that. And those kind of meld together because my primary role as a consultant is I often teach to PAs and NPs or I consult on how to market to PAs and NPs. So those two things are kind of niche and then meld together. Uh, But you do have to be careful because I think if you try to become a niche expert, you do risk A, having your personal brand or your professional brand being too narrow and then that maybe locks you out of other opportunities and B, having that branding be one where people that are in that area of expertise as well look and say, "Eh, this person doesn't actually bring anything positive or any new voice to the table. So once again, I think planning is really the key is think about where you want your career to be and then make sure that everything you're doing in terms of your professional branding is consistent with what your aspirational goals are. I think a future conversation would uh, lend to this idea uh, where we could talk about how to integrate your personal branding in with interviews and conversations with prospective employers mm-hmm. because there there is a fine line and a boundary that's still present that you wa- you don't want to make it the John or the Mike show but you do want to show passion in mm-hmm. hobbies and outside yep. activities. Yeah, so true. Yeah, and I think like even in interviews, you want to come off as authentic, but you also want to come off as someone who reflects your online branding. So I think if if you're working really hard to present yourself with your professional brand as the wellness guy, you know, someone who is really, really holistic and natural. I'm going to use mental health as an example. So if, if I was constantly posting about how we can treat mental health without meds or we can treat it holistically, and then in my interview, I was like, oh, yeah, we don't do that. We're just doing medicine. You know, I only want to run a medication management clinic. I don't want to do any wellness counseling, anything like that. There would be this major disconnect. Now, granted, maybe that's not a perfect example because I'm, I run a med management clinic and I also do a lot of trying to integrate wellness stuff in there. But you want to make sure that there isn't a disconnect between your presence or your branding and then who you actually are. Ideally, you're never going to have success in terms of branding if your professional brand is not in line with who you are as an authentic person. So the takeaway from this, and I think you do a great job with that, John, is we don't want to pretend to be someone we're not, or we don't want to try and fit a square peg in a round hole. Be who you are, uh, but just recognize that once again, there can't there can't be a mismatch. You 
can't present yourself as the the anti-pharma person online and then get upset that you're not getting any consulting work with the pharmaceutical industry. So you just have to make sure that you're having a plan and that everything that you're doing is in line with that plan while still also trying to maintain that authenticity. It's a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great way to wrap it up is stay in line with who you want to be and let's not veer too much from it. Uh, you'll be more thankful when you get to that interview and you can honestly speak to exactly what your passions are. Agreed. So the last thing I'd want to talk about is just if we are talking to clinicians, if we are talking to healthcare professionals, maybe they're in an outpatient practice, maybe it's something where they love what they do. They are not looking for side hustles. They are not looking to pivot into non-clinical roles. I want to just spend maybe two or three minutes for each of us and talk about what branding can look like for that clinician. So the way that I see it is if you are a physical therapist and you have you work at an outpatient clinic, for you, branding may just be, A, looking at your practice website and seeing the About Us page or the Meet Our Providers page. What does that little blurb say? Because I think that even that one or two paragraphs is your opportunity to introduce yourself to patients. So when a patient is looking for that physical therapist, a patient is going to go onto the website and look and check you out and see what's going on. So I think that's a great opportunity to provide an overview of accomplishments, of credentials, but then also some curated personal interests. I think that's, a you know, hey, this physical therapist, John, has these degrees, has accomplished these things, has been published this many times. He also likes to go hiking with his wife and kids. And that can present a really nice image for patients. It may also be something where the branding may be going to your practice and saying, I'd love to create some patient education materials that we can put on our website that then give the patient some value. They give the patient something that they can take away without even seeing you at the practice. And then that also continues to advance your presence to from a patient perspective as an expert in the field. So once again, using the physical therapy ex example, maybe you put some articles that you write on how to rehab from an injury or, you know, when you're sore after a workout, here are some stretches that you can do, some basic stuff that can be helpful to a broad group of people that maybe are looking at your services. So a lot of that is patient focused, but I think what then end up, ends up happening is if you have a recruiter that is looking for a physical therapist, they may be looking, they may stumble across your practice website and then see those articles that you that you have written that are patient oriented. They may see your profile and see your accomplishments and interests. And a lot of that, once again, can promote or further your professional brand, even if you're not looking for that next job, having that good online presence, having a very intentional online presence may allow you to then have opportunities that you may not have necessarily known or wanted to be looking for. They just may come to you. But I'd love your thoughts on that. So maybe some thoughts on clinicians that are primary clinical, want to stay clinical. What does it look like for them to professionally brand themselves? Yeah, I, I would say if you're not looking to grow your, your business or you're not looking to move into a different area at all, you might not necessarily need to curate a personal brand per se, um, but avoiding those pitfalls that we were talking about before, not mentioning very uh, apropos type conversation, just staying, staying out of it. However, uh, you also want to 
identify what you're actually passionate about, not pick something that you don't really care much about or doesn't have to do with your your business. But I like what you had said earlier, Mike, just the idea of you're going to stay up with your with your uh, clinical inf- information uh, anyways. So why not post something that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you learned just to show folks that, hey, I'm not just showing up at work doing my nine to five, my charting and going home. This is this is something I'm still passionate about and want to want to pursue. Um, and I know that there's a lot of other clinicians out there that are really aren't trying to grow their practice because they're actually trying to taper off a bit because they can't accept any more clients. So maybe it's not necessarily a marketing strategy for you, which is really what I want to get at, Mike, is we, we've been discussing personal branding more as a marketing tactic for yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when personal branding really could just be um, presenting yourself as you want to be seen to other people, uh, which personal branding could just be with your patients, uh, maintaining your your personal patients with them, uh, being having great bedside manner, maybe following up with phone calls when your patients have been sick and checking in on them. That in itself is a personal branding because Mm -hmm. word of mouth is still a marketing technique where uh, you're good enough to your people, they they will talk about you, right? So personal branding doesn't have to always be this marketing tactic. It could really just be this whole be true to yourself. And when you're learning something, Maybe post about it. Maybe talk to your colleagues about it because I can almost guarantee you if you picked three people out of the place of work you're at and asked them, what do you think uh, John cares about most? Or what do you think Mike cares about most? They'll probably all come up with very similar things. And that really is your personal brand. I'm so glad you you tied in that we don't always have to think about this as online presence. I, I think I'm often focused on that because so much of what happens today is online, whether that be our clinical roles, but also um, networking and other opportunities professionally. But you're right. Healthcare is still a person-to-person industry. It is a, a service or a care industry. And your personal brand, a lot of times, or your professional brand, I should say, can even be driven by those singular interactions that you have with patients. And we never want to overlook that. We never want to, um, you know, minimize the importance of that because it's good to remember that every single day, when we have an interaction with a patient, that is something that the patient is then taking away an assessment of us. We know from research that the patient's satisfaction with their interaction with their healthcare provider will oftentimes drive their satisfaction with the overall healthcare that they're receiving. So it really does matter. It's very important. I love that. Well, let's pivot. I know this is an off script anyways, but we have to talk. We can about, still keep some formatting. Yeah, we 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 have to talk about our our personal yes items. So, Mike, why don't you go first with something maybe you've read, eaten, watched, done? Awesome. Yeah. So I am going to talk about my kids. And yesterday was the Bills game, and the Bills won thankfully. And Buffalo has gotten a ton of snow in the past few days, which I'm sure much of the nation knows because it's been all over the news. And yesterday we were waiting for the Bills game, which was a 4.30 game. And I took a video of my kids and sent it to my family. It was just so funny. It was the most Buffalo thing ever. So my kids have skis and we live on a bit of a hillside. So we have enough snow that they have created a ski run in the front yard. 
and they had their skis on. They were outside. They had snow pants on. They had like the bib overall snow pants in t-shirts. They were both wearing Bill's t-shirts. One was wearing a Josh Allen jersey and they were going from the front porch. They had built this ski run that went down through the front yard and then had a ramp that went into the driveway. And they're out there in 12 degree weather in t-shirts, just going down the ramp a hundred miles an hour, you know, bombing it and just having the time of their life. And I took a video and thought to myself, this is the most Buffalo thing ever. They're out the outside in Bill's jerseys, in t-shirts, skiing in their front yard off their front porch. Like, could it get any more Buffalo? So they had a lot of fun. I'm actually appreciative because the past month in here in Buffalo has been quite miserable weather-wise because it's been just above freezing. So everything has been wet and muddy and gray and overcast. And even though the snow is not great, it makes travel difficult. Uh, it also means that the ground is frozen. It means that the kids can be outside playing. So we are going to now shift into sledding, snowshoeing, skiing, and really embrace the winter over the next two months. You know, I, I sometimes question myself. I really do think about it. Uh, Daniel Tosh had one mm-hmm. comment, one of his specials. He said, um, I love living in California. And I wonder why about other people living in the like the flyover states and Midwest states and he says, that's why I live here so I can skip the crappy seasons. Because he's like, I love the seasons. That's why I tell I love winter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. change. He's like, I love, it's like, yeah, that's why I skip all the crappy ones and stick with the good ones down in like LA and San Diego. So, I mean, as much as I would like to live in one of those areas, Mike, I, I was born and bred for this type of weather. I, I do love it. Mm-hmm. But I, I will talk a little bit about one of my my items. Uh, you mentioned snow, but I don't know. I I got into gaming a little bit recently again. I I go through these little like uh, this is the nerdism showing guys, and this is where I, I'm not going to call it my personal branding, okay? Because I don't want my personal branding to come up as a see video game guy. But I did start playing this game called How Let Loose. And the reason why I play this game is because I've been so obsessed with World War II uh, history books recently. This new game came out recently about um, different attacks throughout Europe. I can't, I can't help myself but to play it after I read a couple chapters. Nice. Are your kids? I'm assuming your kids are getting old enough that you're playing with them. Not these games. Yet, okay. But I did get. I got a couple of computers for us to cross play so yeah we've been doing some of that that's the fun thing is when you're when your kids get old enough that you can have hobbies that you enjoyed when you were younger now be reignited because they're getting old enough to do them with you it's so much fun excuse i Mm -hmm. mean i don't i don't know if carol will listen to this episode but it's one of the best excuses ever Mm -hmm. i don't play with the kids but it's video games like i'm winning yep i feel that way with hiking like as the kids are getting old enough that now it's like you can do hikes that are legit hikes where five years ago, you know, it's oh, let's go on a two, three mile hike where now the kids can keep up. My oldest did a 19 or 20 mile hike and crushed it. So there's nothing that he can't do. And that means that we get to do a lot of fun stuff and yeah. use spending time with the kids as the excuse. Speaking of personal branding, I just talked about video games and you brought up hiking. It's like, obviously that sounds better to most folks. So thanks for doing that, Mike. <laughs> Well, yeah, great point, though, of, you know, how you how you present yourself does matter that way, where if you present yourself as the video game guy, 
I don't think that's actually a bad thing. I think, thankfully, culture is getting to a point where we're not necessarily just associating video games with negative or or being lazy. Because me personally, I actually, I think video games are very good in the sense that they're a pro-social event now, where almost all video games you're playing with other people, you're connecting. Um, so I prefer that over passive activities like just watching TV, which is a more um, yeah. solo activity. Well, I'll get but, I'll get all the um, uh, job uh, recommendations from like health tech and you'll get the, yeah, the right, ortho we'll bros. Exactly. Right. Cause our branding matters. Yep. Awesome. Well, this was a lot of fun. I, uh, I love when we do the off scripts and I love when the off scripts become very philosophical, which I feel like today was, so it was good. So John, thank you. Thank you everyone who joined us this week. This is white coats of the round table. If you like what you hear, consider following us, even leave us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. Until next week, this is Mike and John. Everyone stay safe, stay warm.